0: As I offer five loaves and two fish of words before you to your people, that you would make it a feast that is more than enough. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Well, good morning. And Happy New Year. It feels a little late in the year to be saying Happy New Year, right? It's seven days already, but uh, I haven't seen you, so I'm just glad to see you. Happy New Year. Uh, Have I done enough? How many times in your life have you asked that question? Have I done enough? Uh, Maybe you were asking it at the end of the year, looking back over your year. I can remember sending off college applications or job applications or trying to solve different problems or trying to patch up relationships, but never being quite sure, have I done enough? That is, I think, a haunting question, whether we are talking about planning for a trip or saving for retirement, or launching our kids out into the world. Have I done enough? But it is a particularly haunting question when one thinks about their life through the lens of their death. Staring down finality. The prospect of having no more chance to impact uh, the world. It is a question that I have heard asked, in one way or another, by many people at the end of their lives. Have I done enough? Some of you will remember the closing scene of the uh, at the end of the World War II movie Saving Private Ryan. Many men had lost their lives saving Private Ryan. And Captain James Miller, who is played by Tom Hanks, had died looking into Private Ryan's eyes and said, Earn this. Earn this. And so the closing scene shows Ryan, who is now well into his 70s, kneeling at Captain Miller's gravestone cross at Normandy, saying essentially to Miller's ghost, That he has tried to live a good life. And he hopes that he has done enough. And then with tears in his eyes, he turns to his wife and he pleads, Tell me I am a good man. Tell me that I have lived a good life. Just watching that scene in preparation for this sermon, I, I got choked up. Because, like so many of us, he hopes, but he's just not certain and he's got no way to really know for sure. In the movie, Ryan is asking if he has done enough to live up to Captain Miller's dying admonition. But when they're talking to me about it on their deathbed, they're asking about their relationship with God, they're asking about his acceptance. And ultimately, they're asking about heaven. Have I done enough? Now, I don't know if that question is in full flower in your own heart and mind. Almost certainly it is there in a, as a seed, at least. But I bring it up because when Jesus goes to be, river, uh, goes to be baptized by John in the River Jordan, the question is answered fully finally full stop what is given to us in the sacrament of baptism is that we never have to wonder if we have done enough because jesus has done it all i want to show you this in our passage from mark's gospel with a contrast a condescension and a congratulations contrast a condescension and congratulations first a contrast now john the baptist is the wild man in the wilderness all right he's got itchy camel hair clothing he's got this weird high carb high protein diet you know honey and locust. and you know i always the scriptures don't say it but I, I always picture him with this big bushy beard and crazy hair and even crazier eyes What the scriptures do tell us is that the people are absolutely soaking up what he has to say. They're coming to him from all over, from all over the Judean countryside. They're coming from Jerusalem, which would have been a full day's walk. They are coming because they are spiritually hungry, they're ready for a change. Now, he is not gentle with them, he is fiery but he he is helping them turn to God in a way that the synagogues have not. And as his audiences grow, as his acclaim grows, surely they notice that his ego is not growing with it. He never makes it about himself. He always is pointing ahead. He said, there is another coming and he is the one that you're waiting for. And then he says, I have baptized you with water, but, and this is the contrast that I want to point out, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, so the baptism of water versus the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us have heard about a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we think about people speaking in tongues and uh, other manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We even heard about that a little in our reading from Acts. Now, I want to say that I do believe in speaking in tongues and other manifestations of the Spirit. I've, I've experienced some of those things. But I do not think that's what John the Baptist is talking about. John's baptism was a baptism of water. And it was all that he could offer. People came to God. People committed or maybe recommitted to live holy lives their water baptism was a physical marker of that commitment now let me ask you when you have committed or recommitted to live a holy life how did that go for you it probably was a lot like a new year's resolution A dear New Year's resolution, it was fun while it lasted, sincerely, January 5th, right? Uh, Now, listen, I want you to come to God. I want you to commit to living a holy life, but I think we have to do that in recognizing that it's going to be incomplete. It doesn't mean that there's not a wonderful goodness in doing it. It just means that we're going to fall short of the goal. We're going to get triggered by our spouse. We're going to say some nasty bit of gossip about our coworker. We're going to tell a lie before we even realize we've done it. Now we can apologize and we can try to get better, and that's part of the deal. But there is a wonderful goodness about coming to God. But if that's all there was. We're left asking the question, have I done enough? And of course the answer is no. And John knows all of this. And so he contrasts the baptism of water that he can offer with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus will offer. Where the baptism of water is us coming to God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God coming to us immersing us in his love and his acceptance. The arrival of Jesus indicates that God has initiated an entirely different way to have a relationship with God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is God giving himself to us wholly, completely, and sufficiently with the arrival of Christ, and especially with his death and resurrection, which we obviously can't see in this passage, we are assured that God's acceptance of us is not initiated or completed by us. It is not depending upon us cleansing ourselves in full. It is not dependent upon us squeezing tightly enough when we say a prayer. His acceptance of us, his love for us, His relationship with us is based entirely on the supremacy and the sufficiency of God. John is pointing us to the assurance of our salvation in Christ. And incidentally, this is why I love infant baptism. Now, I love adult baptism for other reasons. But when, like for instance, we're going to baptize two little babies at 10:30 this morning. The children are not coming on their own. Now, uh, they're being presented, but they are just, the children are just recipients of the grace that is being offered to them today. Like John the Baptist, the outward invisible sign of the water will point to the inward reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In all their lives, little Margot and little Paul will be baptized, but they will only be able to say that they were sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. They will only be able to say that it was all God's grace to them, and they made no effort for it on their part. So that's the contrast, the baptism of water versus the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it leads us to the second point, which is the condescension of Jesus to us. Now, I don't mean that Jesus looks down on us in a way that is condescending. Now, he could, but he doesn't, and that's part of why we love him so much. The theologians talk about the condescension of Jesus, not as Jesus looking down on us, but as Jesus graciously coming down to us. The one person that could adequately come to God because he was God, the one person to live a holy life, and therefore the one person who did not have any sin to repent of, shows by submitting himself to water baptism that he will basically go to any length to relate to us. Any length to relate to us. He did not simply model a good life for us, but he aligned himself with us as Jesus wades into the muddy waters of the Jordan, he wades also into the muddy waters of your life. And just as any dirt or dust on Jesus would have been washed downstream, so because you are in Christ by faith and the baptism of the Spirit, your sin is washed away in God's sight. Jesus' baptism says that he is with us and that he is for us. Not sort of, theoretically, but actually in the muddy waters of our lives. He is not here to pat you on the head and say, well, thanks for trying. He is not here to say, well, you're great and whatever you say is just okay by me. And he's certainly not here to say, you're not enough. He is here to say that in me, you are more than enough. He's here to cleanse us, to free us, to show us what love and forgiveness look like, to lavish us with transforming grace, and to turn us loose to live lives for his glory. He has come down to us. That is his condescension. And it leads us to our third and final point, a congratulation. Now that may not be exactly the right word. It's It's the closest one I could think of that would go with contrast and condescension. But congratulations, you are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. For a moment, John held Jesus below the surface of the water, symbolizing burial, symbolizing death. And then in a flurry of wet black hair splashing everywhere, Jesus was suddenly above the surface and he could breathe again, symbolizing new life. New life. But something remarkable happened in that moment. The sky parted. In some way, the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus like a dove. The voice of the spa- Father spoke over the Son, You are my beloved Son. And with you, I am well pleased. Now, when I get to heaven, I want to see that replay because I don't know what it looks like to have the sky torn apart or to have the Holy Spirit visibly come down like a dove upon the son, or to hear what the Father uh, says what what does it sound like when the Father speaks like that to the Son but in any case Jesus' ministry was inaugurated His Sonship was revealed to the world the proud pleasure of the Father was on display now what does that have to do with you and me? If you, dear friend, if you are united to Christ by faith, if you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever, then these are the Father's words to you as well. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. You are my beloved daughter, with you I am well pleased. Have I done enough? You are my beloved child, and with you I'm well pleased. And we might say, well, yeah, but I mean, what about that time when? Or yeah, you know, how about, but you know, that, that I still tend to sometimes do. Because you are my, because you are in my son. I see you through the lens of my son. And you are my beloved child. And with you, I am well pleased. Some of you. Had fathers whose standards you could never quite meet. And your whole life is lived asking his ghost, Have I done enough? This redeems that whole situation. Because your dad had his own demons, and he needed to hear the full assurance from the Heavenly Father, just like you do. You're my beloved child, and with you I'm well pleased. You don't have to wonder. If you've done enough, Jesus has done it all. He has come to us. He has condescended to us. He has clothed us in his sonship. And if you hear that as permission to just go and do whatever we want, we can get drunk, we can tell a lie, we can cheat or gossip or whatever. Because God's going to love us no matter what. If you hear it that way, then you have heard it wrongly. Because this is not permission, this is invitation. Invitation to revel in the glorious, gracious love of God, and to live from that place of strength for his glory and for the good of those around us. He has come to us. He is with us in the muddy waters of our lives. And you are his beloved child. And with you, he is well pleased. Amen.